Hi, this is Danielle Cursa from The Jealous Curator, and this is episode 207 of Art for Your Ear. Just like last week, today's episode is supported by Wireframe, a podcast all about creativity and design that takes an in-depth look at how design shapes our lives. I worked as a graphic designer for 18 years, and let's face it, I still do the occasional logo project for friends, but they have to be really, really good friends at this stage. (laughs) Anyway, Wireframe is made for creative professionals like graphic designers, UX designers, illustrators, typographers, artists, and activists. Koi Vin, the principal designer at Adobe, is the host of this show, and he often has expert co-hosts show up to weigh in on all of the designy topics that they cover. One of their latest episodes digs into a subject that I have been thinking about a lot over the past year, so I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. For now, I will simply say thank you, Wireframe, for being the kind of creative podcast that supports another creative podcast. We artsy folks need to stick together. Search for Wireframe in your podcast app, and I've also got a direct link in the full post um, on my site for this episode right now. It's over on thejealouscurator.com. So I have a lot of questions for my guest today. Emily Counts is a Seattle-based artist who makes the most magical ceramic sculptures. Some of them hang on the wall, interlocked into beautiful narratives, while others tell their stories standing free in the middle of the room. All of them are gorgeous and make me wish I knew how to use a kiln. (laughs) I've written about Emily a few times since discovering her work, but we've never spoken until today. I have questions about her childhood, of course, Um, how she found her way to ceramics, which was a longer path than I thought, her current process, mushrooms, stories, grief, and Facebook. Okay, I realize that sounds a little scattered, but it will all make sense starting now. Calling Emily in Seattle. Hi, Emily. Welcome to Art for Your Ear. Hi, Danielle. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really excited. Okay, well, I, you know, I'm a super fan. Well, thank you. That makes me really happy. (laughs) I don't know how I found you. I think it was through a gallery I follow. You must have been having a show like a year or two, or maybe, yeah, it must have been through a show or maybe through the Facebook um, um, residency thing that you did, the mural. Oh, possibly. Yeah, I I post a lot of photos from that on Instagram. Um, It could have been a show at Studio E. Did you? Yes. That's what it was. Yeah, because I follow them. I did an event there years ago, and so I've followed them ever since. And it was one of your wall hangings that all the pieces were kind of attached. And I was like, hold the phone. I think I wrote a post like that second. Um, (laughs) And so I'm so happy to finally actually talk to you because, um, yeah, I just love your work. And I know there's so much, uh, there's so many stories behind all the little bits, which I also really, really love. in people's work and in my own work. I just love that there's a narrative going on. And um, and recently I've become, I've always loved ceramics and sculpture, but lately I've become slightly obsessed with it. And Mm -hmm. I'm trying to dip my own toe into it without knowing at all what I'm doing. So that's what makes me even a bigger fan of you because you do know what you're doing. Well, you know, ceramics, it's not like really that much different than just working with Play-Doh, you know, (laughs) I feel like it's you know there's certain things that you don't 
want to do or that you want to avoid so that your pieces don't explode, you know, in the kiln. But it's, you other, know, other than you're essentially, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're just like playing with mud when it comes down to it, you know. So I, think I love that. I love it. And anyone can, anyone can pick it up and, and they should. Yeah, it's so funny. I, I've always wanted to do it. And I always found it so intimidating. And then yeah, I started playing around. And I was like, wait, this is like, kindergarten, like I, I, I didn't yeah. question myself when I was little, and I played with clay and made all sorts of things out of it. So it's like, why right. as an adult, am I questioning myself? Anyway, we're going to get to all of that later. But <laughs> I sent you my little rough list of questions. So you know that I want to know yeah. where you grew up and what you were like as a kid. And were you playing with Play-Doh when you were little? Oh, yes. Um, so I, I grew up in Seattle. I was born and raised in Seattle. Um, and I feel like I was just, I came out of the womb interested in art and creativity. And um, my mom was super supportive of um, art projects and she provided us with lots of lots of materials and, you know, creative things to do. She's a really um, creative and I think artistically talented person. She's a graphic designer. Oh, wow. um, so, you know, as a kid, we, we just had a lot of art materials around. Um, yes, yeah, so you don't even have to really think about it. It was just. Yeah, it was, it was just sort of there. And um, when I was little, I remember I would, I would ask her to draw me pictures and sort of watch the way that she was drawing and learn from her that way. So like looking back at my um, like drawings that I did when I was really young, like, you know, two and three years old, I feel like looking at those, I can see that I was really focused on um, detail and pattern and, mm. you know, representation. And I always wanted to figure out how to draw things when I was really little. And could your mom draw things really well? Like, could she... I think I, I thought so. I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I would, you know, I would request things like, um, like it was usually like something that I considered fancy, like a, a princess or a, <laughs> a, like someone wearing a bridal gown. <laughs> um, My mom's a really good artist too. So I, yeah, I would request things as well. And I remember very clearly one time um, there was a coloring contest at our local swimming pool in the summer. And so, you know, they give everybody the same coloring sheet and there was kids in like little floaty inner tubes. And I was just coloring in the, the little circle. And my mom said, Oh, actually, if you follow the shape of it, yeah. you know, make it darker on the edges and lighter in the middle, it'll look like it's got a shine on it and whatever. And I was like, right. What? <laughs> I just felt like I had unlocked the mysteries of the universe yeah I remember it so clearly I was probably seven years old and I was like all right and I think I, I may have won the coloring contest or I was in the top three anyway and I was pretty <laughs> sure it was due to my shading but yeah, yeah it's so handy to have a mom like that right <laughs> yeah totally I mean I, I remember her also teaching me how to make something look three-dimensional and um you know, like with these kind of like cross hatching lines on the edges of things to yeah. make it look like it's curving. And um, yeah, so, you know, I don't know. I, I think part of like my interest in art is sort of genetic and in my blood because um, my mom 
and her mom and, and my great grandmother, they're all, they were all artistic people. Wow. So I think it was kind of passed down to me a little bit genetically, just that interest and passion. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just when you're encouraged to do something when you're really little. You do know. you have siblings? I do. Yeah. How, how have, many are there? Um, I have, I have three siblings. And are any of them artists or artistic or did it all kind of land on you? Um, I think it's like more intense in me, but my, my brother, Peter, um, is in, has been in the design field. So he's a really creative person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know in our family, it was pretty much all me art wise. My sister uh, ended up being a lawyer. Yeah. Uh, but my brother's a musician and so we had we had little bits of creativity but it was me that was hoarding all of the all of the <laughs> uh, supplies and you know getting my mom to draw things and I was just wondering if you were the same out of the crew if it was you that was that one yeah I think I think to some extent it, it was always um my focus for sure yeah yeah and then so as you went through high school was it the same like were you still kind of the art kid through school or what were you thinking that you would you know, be when you grow up? Um, yeah, I was the art kid through school for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I started taking back, back in middle school, I started taking um, art classes sort of outside of school um, in ceramics, particularly, mm -hmm. and um, like at local community centers. So I was kind of interested in doing things that weren't provided at you know, at my school. And um, I can't remember if that was my mom's idea or my idea, but um, I started to kind of branch branch out at that time into ceramics. Wow. Um, and then my high school had a really great art program and they had a ceramics department um, and a really strong, you know, 2D art, art program there. So. Wow, that's amazing. You're so lucky. Uh, so many people don't you know, so many schools don't have that kind of thing. Yeah, I know. I, I feel really lucky. Yeah. And so, and, was and, it, and I, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, so yeah, I, I would always, um, you know, take art classes within school, but then kind of take classes at, you know, um, I, I think I took some life drawing classes at the University of Washington when I was, you know, still in high school, just trying to, uh, you know, develop different skills. Wow, with the plan of going to art school, um, or just because you were you just wanted just, to, just because I was interested, yeah. But um, after my junior year of high school, I did one of those summer programs where you, uh, I went to the School of Visual Arts for a month that summer before my senior year of high school, wow. and. Um, did, did an art program there kind of to get a feel for it and see if that's something that I'd you know want to do and go to art school and that was a turning point for me in realizing that that was the type of college that I wanted to go to and um, yeah I wanted to focus on that after high school. Wow that's so cool in New York. Yeah. And so did you go on your own? Uh, yeah. <laughs> That I mean, awesome. there, there are other, you know, there are other kids there from yeah. across the country, but yeah, they just put it, put us up in pretty much in apartments, kind of threw <laughs> us together with like other kids. And um, I know they have those programs at a lot of colleges, like summer programs for 
pre pre college for high school students. Yeah. Oh my God, um, that sounds amazing. Were you nervous or shy, or were you just like ready to roll up your sleeves and do it? Um, I'm a I'm a very shy person. So yeah, I was super scared. <laughs> but good but, for you um, for going. Well, at that point, I had actually uh, the year before I had done like a little, uh, I was an exchange student in Russia when I was 16. Oh so I'd, I'd already, you know, done um, a month long trip, you know, during high school where, where I was kind of like out of my comfort zone. Um, yeah. So New York's nothing. <laughs> I mean, every time I, try, I still get nervous every time I go anywhere pretty much. Me too. But, but um, you know, I've done residency programs and I've, I've moved around a lot and I, I love traveling, but I, I, yeah, I still get nervous kind of. Me too. Until I get there. I'm nervous until I'm there wherever I'm going and settled. And then I'm like, this is amazing. But getting there yeah, is where totally. all my nerves are. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's a, it's a rush of like, I can do this and you know, experiencing a new place and yeah. meeting new people. So, so when you went to New York that summer, were you, um, was it ceramics that you were focusing on or was it like a broader program or what was it like? Actually, um, the program that I focused on was illustration. Oh. And um, at that point, I didn't really think that, um, you know, being a fine artist was, um, a practical option for life. <laughs> yeah. So know? everybody thinks it's, that. Yeah, it's so true, right? Everybody I mean, has that moment. It's not. It's it's not practical. <laughs> um, you know. So I was just thinking, what what, what could I do th where I can make a living um, that's creative? And so, uh, yeah, I was I was doing an, kind of a focus on illustration during that program. And then um, when I applied to art schools, that was that was my plan was to become an illustrator and I was really interested in biology so I actually thought I would go into um, like scientific or medical illustration for textbooks. <laughs> wow that and was, did you did you start down that path like is that what you went to school for? Uh, no well no I so I went to CCA the California College of the Arts in, mm -hmm. in Oakland and um you know, they just, they start you out doing, doing core classes. You're kind of dabbling in a little bit of everything. And um, I was taking a printmaking class and the image, like the drawings I was making and the images I was working with were kind of, kind of cutesy, sort of humorous. Um, they probably kind of came out of like the rave culture that I was coming from in the, in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And um my printmaking teacher one day said, uh, do, you, do you want to end up making greeting cards or do you want to be an artist? <laughs> and it was like the first time that I realized that there was some sort of hierarchy. Oh, interesting. That was, you know, within um, the art world, you know, or that like, it was maybe uh, not as cool to be doing something that was like commercial. Aha, uh -huh. that's interesting. I was going to say, was that meant as like a dig or was that meant as a, no, really, what do you want to do? I think it was meant as a dig. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't get like an excellent grade on that project. <laughs> and I was really used to getting good grades. So it affected me. Um, and, you know, I mean, that was just coming from his perspective. Um, and I really think that like illustration design, um, graphic design are all just, a, can be just as moving and beautiful and important as, you know, what's considered fine art. But at that time that kind of pushed me um, in a different direction. And, mm -hmm. and so I majored in painting. Oh, really? Yeah. And did, did your paintings, like if you look back at them now, do they look anything like what you're doing now? Like similar palette or similar um, imagery or anything, or are mm. they completely different? Well, uh, it was pretty different. By the end of um, those four years, I was exclusively making self-portraits. Wow. In, in uh, watercolor and gouache and a little bit of acrylics. So yeah, it's pretty, pretty different. Yeah, oh my <laughs> but, God. I think that the practice of making self-portraits um, is still evident in my work when when there's things that are figurative. Um, I, like I use the, the shape of a hand a lot and I feel like, you know, I'm always kind of looking at my own hand when I'm sculpting those mm -hmm. hands. So that's sort of evident of the self-portraiture. And um, whenever there's like hair, mm. I, I think it's always kind of some representation of one of my one of my haircuts. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you were doing watercolor gouache self-portraits, were you touching clay at all? Like were you were you in ceramics at all or were you just focusing on painting? Um, I was I was yeah, I was pretty 2D focused. I think I took one ceramics class, but yeah, I thought I was just, you know, gonna be a painter and 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 do that. Um yeah, I'm not really sure why I took a break. I took a break from ceramics for quite a long time. Wow, um, that's great. I, I did not expect you to say that. Um, so, <laughs> so you graduate. Um, then what did you, didn't you go somewhere? Didn't you go to Berlin or something? Oh, I did an exchange program in Berlin during college. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I read um, that somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so that was, yeah, that was definitely during my phase of doing self-portraits and... Um, Do you still have those anywhere? Like, yeah, not, I have but them not somewhere. publicly? <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and honestly, I do still make paintings. I just don't really show them. Oh, yeah. why? Um, I think that I'm just not as confident hmm. with... But you still obviously enjoy doing it. The output, yeah. I, I do, and, and actually, um, I do a lot of little paintings that are um, kind of sketches for ideas for sculptures oh. and, you know, ways to kind of uh, think about color and glazes ahead of time and uh, sketch out, you know, shapes and stuff like that. So that would I, be amazing still... to throw in some frames and put in the show with your... <laughs> yeah, I... People seem to like them, but there's some, there's some, like, a, I'm hesitant, I guess, with, yeah. with, the, with the paintings. Um, yeah, paint a little bit of collage as well. 
Oh my God, I would love to see those. That's so funny, right? That, that you say other people seem to like them, but you've got this hesitancy. <laughs> I've got, I've yeah. got a hang up, yeah. Well, you know, I think the issue with, with painting is that um, you, you don't know when it's finished. Or for me, at least. Yeah. Because you can just keep working on it forever. <laughs> and I think, you know, ultimately that's why um, my, my primary medium is ceramic. So I've really landed on that because um, you have to commit. Right. You, Once it's fired know, and yeah, it's, it's just, it's done. You know, there's no going, <laughs> there's no going back. Um, and I'm so indecisive that it forces me to be, to be decisive and, and to commit to what I'm doing. And um, I love that. I love that. You know, that <laughs> yourself. yeah. Well, okay. So you're painting washi things. And then how did you start getting back into ceramics then? It was kind of a long journey. Um, my painting started to become a little more three-dimensional and I was experimenting with installation. I started, um, doing kind of large scale installations right out of college um, using like all sorts, like any kind of material I could get at Home Depot, styrofoam, wood, house paint, uh, fabric, fake fur, real fur, glitter, you know, like wow. all that stuff. And um, those, those early installations were, um, I'd say they were kind of like, large dioramas or okay. or stage sets almost mm -hmm. um and you know i didn't really realize it at the time but i think i was I had really been influenced by um by disneyland because <laughs> 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 uh, i had cousins that lived in orange county and so at an early age uh we'd go down and visit them and go to disneyland and you know if you it's it's a pretty incredible experience for like a really young kid. Yeah. You know, to like uh, go through it. Um, what's the one with all the dolls? Oh, it's, it's a, a small, small world. world. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're in this boat and there's all these dolls singing at you. It's just like really magical. And, you know, it's an immersive installation. And um, like... Disneyland was like my happy place. <laughs> yeah, so funny. Did you go at all when you were in college? I mean, I guess it's still a little yeah. bit of a track, but it's closer than Seattle. I did, yeah. <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say I went kind of semi-consistently up, up until um, my mid-20s, yeah. <laughs> oh, so when you were doing those installations, were you still in California or had you gone back to Seattle after you graduated? Um, I was in Chicago at that time. Oh. So I was in Chicago for about five years after after I lived in the Bay Area. Oh, okay. And and yeah, that was a really exciting time because I was like, you know, meeting all these artists. There's a really fun, um, exciting art scene and music scene there. And I was experimenting with installation and getting into sculpture and um and do you think that was from the people that you were around? or it was just your interests were just kind of coming out? Yeah, I think I just, my nature is to be experimental and to, mm. and to always be, you know, trying new things. Mm -hmm. So Was it kind of nice to be out of school? Like, did you feel like, did you have a bit, did you feel like you had more freedom or did you, 
because I'm so curious if the even that comment from that teacher kind of set you down a path that you know maybe you shouldn't have been on and then you kind of rerouted yourself to back to who you were or something um I think it was just a really fun period of my life you know um I I have such great friendships that you know that I made when I was there and there's some really cool art spaces um that were you know open to really experimental work where I was exhibiting um yeah and and um artist friends that I had at that time you know were doing similar things and when was that like late 90s early 2000s or something um I moved there in 2000 oh okay yeah 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 so you're there for five years um there's styrofoam and house paint Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) did you find a kiln in Chicago no um wow I that didn't come till later um yeah I was in Chicago for a while I um I moved to New Mexico I was out in the desert in the little village for for a little while um I did a residency in Los Angeles and then eventually I I moved to Portland and I was in Portland Oregon for um for 10 years and that was when I got back into ceramics and so during all of this time, were you, um, did you do any illustration to pay the bills or were you working odd jobs or were you making your money from your artwork? What, what were you doing? It's always been, yeah, I'd say odd jobs is a good way of describing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, day jobs. Yeah. Um, it's always been, you know, what job can I do that will give me the most freedom to be in the studio? you know, as much as possible. Um, My focus has always been on art and um, doing exhibitions and trying to be ambitious in that way. So um, yeah, I was, I was a florist for a long time. Um, Wow. I was a, I worked at a button factory. I was a a cheesemonger. Um, I was a school chef. Well, I was actually also an art teacher at that school. It was a very small school in New Mexico. Um, and I had three students and then I was also the school chef, but with faculty and students, there was probably only about 15 people there. So, Oh my gosh. I wasn't like qualified, you know, but. <laughs> <laughs> what did you make? Uh, well, it, it, everything was vegetarian. Um, I learned how to make a pretty good green chili sauce. Um, you know, wow, what a know. cool, oh my gosh, you've got to write a memoir. There's a lot, there's so many good stories in there. Cheesemonger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where was that? That was in Portland, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so you, you do all these amazing things. How many residencies have you done? Do you know? I've done three, just three. Oh, just three. Um, okay. Yeah. You know, it's it's hard to fit residencies into uh, into life. Yeah. I found. Yeah. Um, you know, just being able to, and a couple of the residencies were long. They were like four months, so it's right. It can be tricky to just take off for four months. Yeah. Um, the first one was at Raid Projects in in LA, which was re- really cool. I got to you know, discover all the galleries in Los Angeles and made a lot of great connections with artists and curators there. Um, That was in 2004. And then 
in 2008, I did another city-based uh, residency at a space called Plain Space. Hmm. Um, and that, that was a gallery that had a residency kind of located above, above the gallery, mm-hmm. um, which was incredible. It was in the West Village and um, they just like gave me this huge apartment. Oh my gosh. How long were you there? How long was that one? That was four months. Wow. Yeah. And then I had a solo exhibition in the gallery space at the, at the end of the residency. So that was, a, that was kind of like a dream experience. Wow. And was that all still installation at that time? It was. Yeah. I was making kind of like these huge, um, like multimedia volcanoes and... <laughs> Um, like I was starting that's around the time I was starting to incorporate some ceramics but it was still like all sorts of all sorts of materials Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay so now you're in Portland you're selling cheese and (laughs) and um and okay then how now how do you find your way to ceramics um I had a couple installations where I thought I really want I was I was doing figurative work and I really wanted um the heads and hands to be sculpted in a certain way. And I thought, well, I used to, you know, do ceramics and, and, you know, when I was a kid and in high school, I feel like I can try this again. Um, I didn't have a kiln, but there was a local uh, ceramic supply store where you could, you know, take pieces and they would fire them for you. Um, So I just kind of slowly started to get back into it. And the very first ceramic pieces that I made at that time, I, I just, um, I was still kind of doing a lot of painting. And so I just painted on the ceramics with like, with gouache and and watercolor and acrylic. um, Because I didn't really feel confident that I could get the detail that I was looking for with, you know, with glazes. Oh, okay. Because... So do you do that after? So I guess you fire it and then you paint it after. Is that how it works? Yeah, I was I was bisque firing it and then I was oh, just okay. painting, you know, okay. on, on on the bisque fired ceramics. So, um, it's kind of like half baked, mm. <laughs> you, know, you know, like a clay that hasn't actually gotten to its um, the full maturity. It hasn't been fired oh, okay. as as hot as it should be fired. Um, but that way it was still absorbent at that, at the bisque firing stage. So I, I did that a little bit and then, um, and then I kind of worked my way into using glazes and it's, it's taken me a long time to develop my glazing technique to try to like find that control that I had mm. with, with painting because my paintings were, were very detailed like they were almost more like drawings. I would use a tiny little brush <laughs> and I'm a really um, detail oriented person. Um, and glazes, it can be very hard to control them, you know. And so why not just keep going with the bisque way? Like why, why push yourself to use glazes and do that way? Um, I think the challenge of it, but also... Mm-hmm. I love, I love how permanent glazes are, you know, we were talking about like committing to something yeah. <laughs> and, um, 
I just, I, I think materials like at this point that I'm drawn to are archival and, mm. um, there's something about a, a lot of the things I was using, um, the way that they, I just have this thing with the dust and I, I really, <laughs> I really like that I can like, like a ceramic piece can be cleaned with water. It can be right. Um, you know, when I was working with things with like uh, paper and, and fabrics and, and stuff, they, um, they're harder to care for. Yeah. And I kind of, I feel like, and it's not that I don't like, I, I, I love fiber art and I love, um, you know, delicate materials in other people's work. But for myself, I just prefer to have um, these objects that it's like I'm I'm making my children and I'm sending them off into the world and and I kind of feel like they're going to be okay as long as they're not dropped, you know? Yeah, they're, that's real with real children too. As long as they're yeah. not dropped, they're going to be just fine. <laughs> <Sure>. um, <laughs> yeah. So, so at what point did you when you were going into that, the, the shop that would, you know, fire this stuff for you in their kiln, at what point were you like, okay, I got to stop going to this place. I just need my own kiln or I need to, like, did you join like a club or something where you could, <laughs> well, this is for me, this is where the gateway is. Like, this is where the stop gap right. is for me. Cause right now I've been working with clay, like just self-drying clay, but then I paint with acrylic and okay. gouache. Yeah, yeah. I live in a really small town. There is a little pottery guild Mm -hmm. downtown but I'm scared I don't know why I, it's just like this like I don't know about kilns I don't they have them you can join their little club and then you yeah. can go there and they'll do it but it just for me it's this stop gap it's this do you know what I mean it's this do, do they fire the kilns themselves and just take your pieces or are you I don't know to... I don't know oh. anything about it Emily I haven't like yeah. I'm too scared to actually go and knock on the door and because also I didn't start getting interested in all this stuff till COVID so now there's yeah. a big sign saying unless you're a member you can't come in blah, oh blah, blah. I see so maybe yeah. when this all dies down I'll be able to actually knock on the door and go how does this work like I don't know if you go in there you work there you fire the stuff yourself and you just like pay a monthly fee to be part like I have no idea so yeah. how did you make that jump from, from just taking it to this one place to, you know what I mean? Well, you know, it's crazy, but I, I did that. I had um, this place fire my work for me for like almost 10 years. <laughs> really? Just because the, the house that I lived in at the time couldn't, like, um, I couldn't put a kiln in it. Okay. Um, because it was, it was a rental house and yeah, it was just like a liability issue. Right. So, um, but when I moved to Seattle about five years ago and that's when I bought a kiln okay. and oh my gosh. I, I have saved, I mean, a kilns are expensive, but I've saved so much money you know, <laughs> in, the, in the long run. Like it really, um, because it adds up when you, when you kind of have other people doing this service for you. Right. Um, it is one of my favorite purchases and I'm kind of like a, I love equipment in general. <laughs> like I love acquiring equipment. I love tools, um, you know, because I also work with wood. I work with metals. I work with stained glass. I love oh. learning, learning new techniques, you know, and, but the kiln is like my, 
you know, one of my very favorite things. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And now you have just the control to do it whenever you want. It's that too. It's the schedule of like, just, I, I can work a lot faster because um, yeah. that, that place where I would go, they would fire. Um, I can't remember if it was once or twice a week, but I'd have to kind of like, you know, work into their schedule. And so now I can just produce things quicker, which is good because I'm, I'm a really impatient person in general. Me too. Me so. too. That's a problem. Yeah. Um, so even when you were starting to really work with glazes and stuff, you were still going, taking it to this place. Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually some, uh, one of the, um, materials I work with is called, I don't know if you've ever used or seen gold luster. It's like that highly metallic. Mm -hmm. I've never used it, but I love it. And I love it in your work. Yeah. Yeah. It's an overglaze. I love, I love, um, glittery glinty metallic things and um <laughs> they would they wouldn't fire that because it's kind of uh, toxic and so I would have to take that like way out into the suburbs I, I was just driving my pieces around to you know different places that would fire for me um so you can do it all at home yeah I mean if I would recommend that you get a kiln yeah <laughs> if you're interested because um, you know, if you get one that's just like has, it's just, it's like programming a microwave. It's so easy. It's really. <laughs> I have a few friends who are ceramicists. Um, do you know um, Susanna Montague's work? Um, she does no. like um, babies that, well, they're super weird and they're amazing. I'll, I'll send you a link. You'll love her. Um, and she, she's Canadian. She's on the Vancouver Island and she just keeps saying, buy a kiln. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> she sent me a bunch of clay and she's like, make whatever you want, ship it back to me and I'll fire it for you. And I was like, oh, that seems like so much work. So she's like, yes, do it. So I'm so tempted. I Do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you like, you won't regret it. It's, it's the best thing. It really okay. is. All right. I have things bookmarked already. So maybe this is the catalyst that I needed. <laughs> um, okay. So let's get back to talking about your actual work. Um, okay. So so that piece that I saw, it had an arm with a puffy sleeve. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it came down and then like all the pieces are connected by different things. Like you've got like ceramic chains that connect things to other things and yeah. handles are interlocked. And um, to me, they just tell such a story. And I'm sure to every single different person, they would tell a different story based on your own experiences, right? Right. Yeah. Is yeah. that the idea? Or are you trying to, are you telling your own story with each piece? Well, I think that um, pieces like that, especially I have these wall pieces that are sort of connected. It's almost like a large uh, necklace or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's on the wall. And I, I definitely think of them as as being like a narrative structure just because it's sequential you know it's like one object leads to the next mm -hmm. um you know or it's like a sentence and each each object is a word within the sentence but it's kind of like a choose your own adventure story mm -hmm. um you know every every color every symbol every shape has meaning for me and you know is a reference to something in my life but um I'm really interested in, in what people bring to that and the, like their own interpretation of 
of what they're seeing. I was going to ask that, like, do you explain, um, and again, I'm just completely using this podcast as, um, helping me with my own artwork by asking these <laughs> that's, that's good. because my work getting really symbolic right now too but at what point like do you tell people what mushrooms mean do you tell people what the hands mean or to, or for you you just have that visual vocabulary in your head and you let people take it the way they want to take it yeah I, I generally I mean I'm I'm really interested and excited about people bringing their own meaning to the pieces, um, you know, but if they ask, I, I, I talk about the different, you know, the symbolism within within the pieces, but I think- And like on like, the little cards, like the little cards that they put on the wall, you know, at a show, do you explain mm-hmm. anything there or do you keep it more vague? Mm. Um, in the show statements, I, I don't know, it's, it's a mix. You know, I talk yeah. a lot about memory. I talk a lot about, um, childhood and connectivity and um i i don't necessarily go into like the specifics on the symbolism that i'm using mm-hmm. but i have you know i have a lot of nature based um imagery and motifs and shapes um i've been working a lot with flowers mushrooms lately um but there's also a lot of abstraction and even the abstract forms are referencing things from my past. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to just ask you directly what they mean. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So things like the mushrooms and flowers, is there, there's like something that ties back to childhood in those things or. Yeah. Well, so the mushrooms, that's um, something that has, that's like a more recent, um, image or symbol that I've been incorporating. Um, and I'd say that mostly that um, is connected to um, my best friend who passed away um, mm-hmm. almost almost 10 years ago now. And she was uh, this really incredible chef and uh, wild food forager. Oh. And so the mushrooms, which they're kind of like very loosely um, representing morels, usually like some sort of morel type of shape. Um, it's you know it's something that I, I haven't really talked about it much, and I haven't um, I haven't really done any work that's about her or about that that loss mm. um, until kind of recently, but. It was just something that started to feel natural to incorporate into my work, um, and it's just—it's a way of feeling feeling close to her, and mm. you know, remembering the the beauty of of her life and her as a person. Um, but also, um, when I met my husband about um, four years ago, he got me into hiking. And so we've spent a lot of time in the woods um, and, you know, in the mountains around Seattle in in Washington state. And um, I think that the mushroom symbol, you know, also connects to him and our experience in nature. And as a hiker, I'm the type of person that's 
and in life in general, I'm, I'm really focused on, on the small details. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I really notice things like mushrooms a lot and mosses and ferns and kind of the things that are on the ground. Um, are you I, a I tend slow to... hiker? Do you like to stop and look at all the things? Yeah. I, uh, I'm, well, I feel kind of like a slow hiker just because my, <laughs> my legs are a lot shorter than his legs. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I do. I like to stop and look at things a lot. And, and I have the habit of looking, always looking at the ground in general, because I'm, um, a, I'm a collector of agates, like a, I'm a oh, beachcomber. Yeah. yeah. So I've been collecting agates since I was a kid and I'm just, I'm kind of like the type of person that's always looking for treasure around my feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me too. I, I think of myself as a magpie sometimes, you know, like. Oh, is that the, the a bird that collects? Yeah, they love shiny treasure? things. Shiny yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that's me. I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, when I find an agate, it's like, it's like I found a gold nugget or a diamond or something. It's like yeah. so exciting every time. Do you <laughs> incorporate them into your work or, or? Um, I have, I have a little bit, like I've, I've made pieces that have kind of like little inset alcoves where I can place some of my treasures. treasures. Yeah. <laughs> do you like thrift shops or do you find your treasures in nature? Oh, I, I used to love thrift shops and flea markets. Like, um, I was a major collector and yeah, that's another form of treasure hunting. Definitely. That, yeah. That's yeah. between, between, yeah, I'm a total beachcomber too. I've, I've had burns on my neck from spending oh, yeah. like hours yep. at the beach, just looking down, <laughs> looking down totally yeah. me too. And then, yeah. and then thrift shops. And I've been in a real creative funk lately. Like, and I just thought this morning, I was like, Oh, I think it's because I haven't been to a thrift shop in like a month. Yeah, you know, and even if I just go and don't buy anything, just yeah. wandering around and like looking for the treasures, um, just sparks so many ideas in my head. Yeah, I, I have incredibly detailed dreams that I'm that I'm in either a thrift store or like a vintage store. Do you have those dreams? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they just like, go on forever. Like yeah. I just keep turning corners, and there's more rooms, and there's yeah. more drawers, and there's more. Yeah. Yeah. Just and. And it's just really interesting, like the what you come up with in your mind. I'm like visualizing all these like fabrics, and you know, I'm so into materials, and I'm such a tactile person that those dreams are just so detailed. And and it's like you're in the best thrift store that's ever existed. <laughs> I know, and then you and wake just, up and you're like, "Damn it!" Yeah, <laughs> I wish that it's was just, real. That yeah, treasure after treasure. But I um. I don't, I don't really do it so much anymore. And I think it has to do with um, developing like this dust allergy at some point as an adult. And um, when I'm like pawing through fabrics and stuff, like after, after 20 minutes or something, I'm just like sneezy. Oh yeah. That's no fun. And (laughs) yeah, I, I, I don't as much anymore. Like it kind of, yeah I think now I have this association like I'm gonna sort of feel sick after I leave right 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 um yeah 
Well, you won't at, you won't at the beach or on trail, so that's good. Exactly. Um, I was going to ask with the mushrooms when you first started incorporating them, was it a conscious choice thinking about your friend, or was it did the mushrooms start showing up just because you were interested in that shape, and then you kind of were like, oh my gosh, it's her. Mm, that, that's a good question because I can't I can't exactly remember the first piece that I brought that into. Um, but I kind of wonder if that was her sort of showing up, you know, to be like, you know, put me in there. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I I was I was thinking about it. You know, I I knew what it meant. I I, mm -hmm. I understood the meaning, um, and I think that. You know, that was such a profound loss, but I didn't feel like it didn't feel appropriate to me prior to this to, you know, to make work about her. And I think that had to do with um, not wanting to to get that mixed up with something that I'm trying to sell. Right. Yes. You know, yeah. Totally. Not the, I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with um, you know making work about loss or, or grief um but it just i guess it just didn't really feel natural to me right like you were selling a bit of her or something or right met, yeah yeah i totally yeah, know what yeah you or it was just mm -hmm. it was very private and and i needed to keep it that way um but then actually the the flowers that i've been making recently also have to they, they also have a connection to my grandmother who passed away at the beginning of um, 2020. Oh. And so, um, and her name was Rosie. And so I think I started by, I just made this ceramic rose and then it sort of turned into like this whole um, flower arrangement of, of different flowers. And it was, you know, I was thinking about how we, flowers are, are um, you know, shared with people during times of loss and also during, you know, times of celebration. And they're kind of these markers for um, these these really important changes in our life. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I made this kind of ceramic flower arrangement and thinking about her and, and kind of as a memorial to her. So wow it's so i think that's so powerful um i know people listen to this podcast have heard this story five thousand times but um a lot of my work has to do with my grandmother as well mm -hmm. um her name was blanche and she um she was an avon lady back in the day and she had a little room in her house that we called the avon room and it was painted pink and it she it was where she'd put all the makeup she hadn't sold so it was filled with oh. tiny little lipsticks and little perfumes like talk oh. about a treasure trove oh, i yeah. dream about that room sometimes and probably 10 years before she died they changed it into like a little bathroom and they and it was wallpapered with blue wallpaper and i was like what Where'd the Avon room go? It was like magic. <laughs> I just love that place. Um, right. But um, when she was dying, she had cancer and she was sort of in and out of consciousness. And right before she died, she said, or like a few days before, she said to my mom, in this very lucid moment, um, I just saw my spirit and it's pink. And she said, look for me in pink. Oh. And um, 
And then after she passed, so many weird pink things happened. Um, And this was, you know, 25 years, 23 years ago now. I I think it was 25 when she passed. And um, anyway, I I had quit making art for a really long time. And then when I started making art again in like the mid 2000s, I was using pink all the time. And it really never occurred to me why. I was just Mm -hmm. really drawn to it. I just, uh, every shade of pink I was working in and I felt like I was going to get criticized for being too girly or Barbie or not serious enough, but I couldn't help it. I just kept being drawn to it. And then I had this sort of moment one day where I was like, oh, it's Grammy. Yeah. You know, just sort of showing up and being there. And so now I'm just like, you have a conscious decision to use the mushrooms to mean something. I use pink now. Yeah. to mean something, you know, to have right. it present. And um, I think there's so much power. And again, I talk about this all the time about kind of harnessing your own visual vocabulary, like figuring out why you use the things you use or why you're drawn to the things you're naturally drawn to, like agate or whatever it is. Right. And having the power in that to make the decision that you're going to incorporate it into your work, whether people realize what it's for or not. Like when I look at your yeah. work, um, my my dad just passed as well, and that's why oh, when I was sorry. reading all of your stuff, I was like, all the things about loss. I was like, oh god, I oh mm. boy, I get all of this like in my heart right now. But yeah. my dad, my mom is a painter, and she painted mushrooms like they were going out of style in the seventies, oh. right? Yeah. and um, that was she was super known for her little mushroom paintings for years really beautiful and my dad was a scientist and um but actually quite a creative scientist so we would go for walks which we hated when we were kids of course now I would probably (laughs) love it but as a kid it was like I want to watch cartoons on Saturday I don't want to go look for mushrooms but we'd go on all these trails we lived in Nova Scotia at the time and my dad would take these really beautiful photographs for my mom as references for her mushroom things and in the 70s oh my god my mom and I had matching mushroom dresses there was mushrooms on our wallpaper you know all that stuff so when I see your work with the mushrooms I instantly think of my mom and dad um you know in the 70s oh yeah and so for me there's like a really visceral connection when I because the way you do them is very 70s or something just the shape and your colors and so seeing your work gives me like a a gut reaction to think of my dad that's so interesting right yeah yeah I'm well I definitely love everything from the 70s aesthetically so that (laughs) (laughs) that makes sense and you know that's another yeah another um attraction to using that as a symbol um I think because I was you know born then um yeah you probably had like little mushroom appliques on some jumpsuit at uh, some point oh sure yeah yeah (laughs) you know it's just comforting like anything that kind of um brings you back to childhood Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's so interesting, you know, I just love that, that without having this conversation with you, and if you didn't put that explanation in your artist statement or, you know, whatever for the shows, mm-hmm. um, I still have this connection to somebody who's passed in my life Yeah, with this symbol that you've incorporated for somebody you've lost. It's just so, I just think there's so much richness to it all. 
Well, I wonder if that's also um, something that's just kind of being communicated energetically through the the artwork. Yeah, maybe. I, yeah. And there's I something so magical about your work too in that, like I love all the gold luster. Like there is sort of this treasury, like, ooh, I'm seeing something really special, mm -hmm. you know? And um, um, so, okay, so you were saying it's sort of like a lot of the pieces are like big necklaces or like things are connected a lot of the times, right? Yeah. Whether they're freestanding or they're on the wall, they're very connected. Um, is there a reason for that? Or are you just drawn to that? Like, yeah, those sentences you were talking about. Right. Yeah, I think that I'm consistently depicting connections. I'm always thinking about connectivity. So um, in my sculptures, that can be like a chain or a rope or some kind of tether or something that's kind of like acting like an umbilical cord. Because um, I've always been um, just really interested in, in how things connect and um, telecommunication, how like people, like how we're talking to each other now, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and communicating and we're in completely different places. Um, the technology of that has always been fascinating to me. So it's, I think connectivity is interesting to me on a very physical level. Mm. Um, and like in terms of the the technology of just like talking on a telephone or, or a zoom call like it it does border on magic mm, it's true it's true <laughs> for me because i don't actually really know how it works um <laughs> and but i'm i'm also interested in um connections like that are more emotional like you know love and the connections of friendship um or like conceptual connections like how one idea leads to the next and um you know or narratives like all, all sorts of kind of chain chain reactions and mm. yeah it, it just made me think because i know you have rotary phones like mm -hmm. the old rotary phones oh, yeah <clears throat> like do you remember the telephone game where you would have to like say whisper something in somebody's ear and it would go right. down the line and then you'd see right. where it ended up like how, how yeah. much it changed it by kind the of time shifts. I got. yeah which yeah. is so interesting too right and yeah. I mean, i'm sure our our grandmothers and you know when when suddenly you could phone somebody on the other side of town or whatever must yeah. have been mind-blowing oh totally yeah and now like we talking? just hop on zoom and you talk to like 12 people on in everybody's in a different place in the world oh yeah it's it's just nuts i mean the, the first time I saw an iPhone, it was like, what? <laughs> this is crazy. Um, it, yeah. I know. So, and then the kid, like I have a 14 year old son who's never known any different, right? Like right. He, he was on iPads when he was little. Like if we went out for dinner, we'd give him one to distract him while we're waiting for the food. Yeah. And so we were, I was watching TV with him one morning and some show was on that he didn't want. And he went up to the TV and tried to swipe the TV <laughs> because it's just how he has operated in the world right sure yeah. yeah it's so funny how like each generation yeah has their own new way of navigating how to communicate and right what is normal and what is crazy and un unbelievable ah technology and new ways of communicating 
How is that for a perfect segue? <laughs> I just want to take a quick minute to tell you about a recent episode of Wireframe that I just listened to. This one was titled, How Can Designers Support the Fight for Racial Justice? Oof, excellent question. I know a lot of us have felt a bit helpless. What can I do? I am just one person. Yes, but we're artists, and we have power through the visuals that we create. That's what this episode is all about. Like in every Wireframe episode, there are a few guests, and this one kicks off with a digital artist known as Stat the Artist, S-T-A-T, the artist. They talk about the role that art and design can play in protests, like the colorful images Stat created of Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and George Floyd, just for an example. You do not need to be standing at the podium giving the speeches to be part of this fight for justice and equality. You can speak through beautifully designed signs, posters, and murals. Oh, and as a proud Canadian, I was very excited to hear them interview Dory Tunstall. She's the Dean at OCAD, the Ontario College of Art and Design in Toronto. She also happens to be the world's first black Dean of a design school. Seriously. Anyway, she is amazing too and brings so many insights to this very overwhelming topic. Go take a listen. You can find Wireframe wherever you download your podcasts, and I've also included a direct link in the show notes to this episode. All right, let's get back to Emily. I have more questions for her, beginning with interlocking mugs. Um, yeah. What about your, your, like your mugs and stuff where the, the actual handles are connected? Oh, yeah. So th that's a series that um, I started just... Um, not that long ago at the beginning of the pandemic. Oh, okay. So I have these vessels. They're either cups or pitchers or vases that have handles on one side and, and they link together. I'm just kind of trying to describe this if, if someone hasn't seen them. I'm um, going to do a great big post with everything okay. you're talking about so people can yeah. go and look. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so basically they're linked, but they're still uh, repositionable, you know, like they're permanently connected, these vessels. Um so I think I initially started doing that, well, because it was like a technical challenge. Yeah. It's, it's really tricky to like make these ceramic pieces that um, are connected and to glaze them. Right. It, it's hard. <laughs> and so it just, it seemed really interesting to me. And um, I'd been making things that are like chain links like, um, out of ceramics for a while. Um, and the vessel form in general, I always think of it as like a stand-in for the human body mm. or for, or for like a, a spirit or a person or a personality. So, you know, to me, it's like these two people sort of joined together, like they're holding hands or their arms are linked. Um, and I, I think I made the first piece right around the time that I got engaged. So I was thinking a lot about commitment and love and, um, you know, people kind of joining their lives together. Um, but also I was, you know, it, it's so hard to be uh, suddenly cut off from everyone else and not, you know, you can't see your family anymore. Um, mm -hmm. At the beginning of quarantine, you can't hug people or touch them. And, and so 
losing just everyday touch and intimacy um, was so sad and difficult mm -hmm. that I was really thinking about love in all forms and, and the importance of intimacy and touch. Well, and you just lost your grandmother too at the beginning yeah. of all of that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. much. And you can't be with your family to grieve right. together, you know, which yeah. is just it makes makes that loss even harder yeah, to cope lot, with. The isolation, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, not to get too woo-woo on you here, because this might not be at all what you mean, but um when you're talking about um like the connections and mm -hmm. things like that. Do you ever have it where you like the connection between um, us and people that have passed? Do you, do you think of that kind of connection of like, oh, you know, them coming to you in dreams or um, feeling like they're around you or anything like that? Do you does that play into it at all? Like because there is sort of like a mysticism about your work. I, I find like with like the images you use and things and I was like, I'm totally into that, but I'm like, put this on her if that's not where she's going. But I'm just curious. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm. I have. Um, I, hmm. <laughs> if I'm totally wrong, you can be like, no, that's nuts. You're no, nuts. I'm. I'm just thinking about how to approach it verbally. Um, <laughs> I, I believe in all sorts of things, um, but. You know, like in terms of that piece specific, like that series of pieces and, and yeah. the linked vessels, like I, I do think about that. Um, there, there's a connection and it's almost physical even when someone has passed on. Um, there's an energetic connection and, and that bond is always there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, time is an illusion. <laughs> good I am roping you into my woo-woo land excellent I mean I'm there I'm just like I feel self-conscious talking about it I guess no I know <laughs> I know me too I I we won't we won't go too deep into it I just want to know if I was right I really like to be right and that was like the sense that I got so I was like I just want to know um it was after my dad died right after I could feel for probably two months this really warm heat in the middle of my mm. back. And it just felt like his hand was on the middle of my back. Like I could feel, yeah. I could feel like a pressure right there. And it was so comforting because I just felt like he was there. And I haven't been able to figure out, you know, and sometimes it takes time with artwork. Like I haven't been able to figure out how to articulate that in artwork, but, um, I'm sure like in five years or something, it'll show up somehow because yeah. it was so like my grandmother showed up in pink. There was weird like plants that we had that should have bloomed white that were blooming pink or, you know, things like mm. that where it's like, okay, that's just crazy. And you just knew, even if it was just a freak of nature, to me, I was like, that's her. I, you know, yeah. I feel like she's there. And same with my dad. There's been all sorts of strange things that I'm like, oh, that was my dad, you know, and hi dad. Like, it's just so nice to feel like they're there. And for me, it's been about two and a half years since my dad died and it's still too soon to incorporate. It's too much. It's right, too much right. for me to incorporate that. It's too fresh. Um, my studio is my happy place and I would just be crying in my studio and I'm not ready to do, <laughs> right. to do that. With my grandmother, it's been 23 years. I feel like there's some distance. I feel like I can let the joy 
part of our connection in right yeah that's why it took you so long with your friend too Mm -hmm. it's just like you can't let yourself go there right away right yeah yeah I mean even you know today I I kind of knew that we might be talking about this a little bit and I was thinking about it I was like oh I hope I don't cry (laughs) you know know, it's it's hard it's hard to talk about but um and and hard to approach through art but, you know, I often say to artists like that, in a way, it's our superpower, you know, that you can have these really hard feelings and, and we have an outlet. Like, yeah, people that don't make art, I mean, I'm sure hopefully they have outlets in other ways. But for me, it's like, oh, thank God I have art because, you know, I can I can incorporate it into that and kind of let myself heal through yeah. the making, you know. Um, and sometimes, like I said, with my dad, it takes time. I did something right. Um, I did a, wrote a book years ago called Collage, um, where I, I gave the same image to 30 artists, 30 collage artists around the world and said, make whatever you want from this starting image, because I wanted mm-hmm. to show that, you know, one image could lead to completely different things. Right. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and the image was my dad and my uncle when they were little, cause it was just ridiculous. They were dressed up like cowboys. It was awesome. And I didn't have to pay royalty fees. So I just said, dad, can I use this picture of you and Uncle Bill? Um, and then, and Uncle Bill loved it too. And then shortly after my Uncle Bill passed, like he's younger than my dad, had a heart attack, had a heart attack on the soccer field, was gone. And I was so happy that his image was in that book. And then the same thing, my dad was just gone. And so right after my dad died, I was missing him so much. So I sent the challenge out I think on Instagram or on a post and I put up the picture, the cowboy picture mm-hmm. and said, in honor of my dad, go print this out, you know, make, make something from it. Oh my God, it was way too soon. <laughs> yeah. And I tried to make something. I was sobbing through the whole thing. I can't yeah. even look, I had to put the thing away. And then people were emailing me what they made, which was so sweet. But I was just like, ah, like I, and I was like, Ooh, that was a terrible mistake. I, yeah that sounds over, really overwhelming yeah yeah and I'm still there it's still I'm still not I'm still not ready for that um I have a pair of his cowboy boots he loved his cowboy boots so um I have his cowboy boots in my studio um so I feel like you know he's there watching over me but it took about a year before I could move them from the back of my closet to my studio to be able to see them every day Right. You know, so it's all, it's a process, but I, I think that there's something so beautiful in being artists or creative people where you can deal with it in your way when you're ready. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think that part of the reason it was kind of um, easy and natural for me to make work right after my grandmother passed was because I already considered her um, to, you know, to already be sort of a part of my art practice Mm. Um, because she, well, she was a journalist and a writer, but also, also an artist. And um, when I was a kid, she did a lot of stained glass. And that's the reason that I started incorporating stained glass into my ceramic pieces and learning how to work with that. So I think that I frequently, you know, would, would think about her and about my great grandmother who um, became a painter at the age of 80. Oh my gosh. 
you know, she started taking classes at the Art Institute of Chicago at, at the age of 80 and, and wow. you know, kind of got into that later in life. Um, but I think that I, I, I thought about them already a lot, like yeah. within, within my practice. So it kind of was already there. What did your grandmother think of your work? I think she was very proud of me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and, and yeah, she, I That's... think that she loved my work. Yeah. When did you start incorporating stained glass? Is that recent or has that been around for a while? Um, it's probably uh, over the last 10 years, I okay. guess. And so yeah, are you set up in your house now to do that too? Like you, <laughs> you've got all the gadgets. Yeah, I mean, I, I do that in my ceramic studio. Um, I try to keep it like as, like as, my studio is not like super huge, um, but I try to keep the glass work away from the clay table as far as possible, you know, because you don't want to get any little chips of glass in the clay. Um, but around 2010, I think I, I made a piece that I, uh, it was like this ceramic telephone. I, I wanted to have a light within it so that it would have these sort of glowing areas, you know, illuminated yeah. um, light coming out of the piece. And so that's when I started to work with, you know, sheets of stained glass and just cut them up and sort of um, put them behind little openings in the ceramics so that illuminated color would be coming out of this piece. I gotta go take a closer look because I don't I didn't even realize there was glass in there. Yeah I'm um I I, I use it fairly frequently oh. <laughs> but but it's the like little details you know. Yeah yeah um and there was um, a glass focused biennial at the uh, Bellevue Arts Museum a couple of years ago and I Kind of worked my way into that by proposing these ceramic towers that had all these stained glass windows set into them that were you know lit from the inside wow. um that was just a couple of years ago and that's when i taught myself how to do the actual like leaded stained glass and connect pieces together to make you know something more like a stained glass window is that super toxic do you have to be with like yeah yeah I guess Let's, I mean you have good venting in there right <laughs> yeah oh yeah I wear okay. I, I, I have a good respirator that's like um that's meant for you know uh, fumes like that okay yeah. good <laughs> and I keep I keep the windows and doors open when I'm um soldering yeah and I also I work a little bit with metals too and um and so I solder it's a different type of soldering but I love I'm, that you're just not afraid to try do you ever feel hesitant when you try new things like this or are you just super excited to try new materials? I'm pretty excited to try yeah. new things. Yeah, yeah, because I can like get bored doing the same thing. So, yeah. um, you know, if I just had unlimited time and money, I'd just do everything. <laughs> um, I, 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 I semi-frequently work with wood and that's like I, I do have a lot of wood tools but it's like one of the mediums that I just really don't enjoy oh but I like using it <laughs> oh that's interesting but I think it's the this the power tools are really just so loud right. and all the dust I'm yeah 
Yeah, that's so funny. I don't know. I've, I've kept you here for so long, but I really want to ask you quickly about, so basically so that I can put it in the post, the yeah. ceramic mural that you did as part of the Facebook residency program that they did. Oh, yeah. Which, which Facebook location was that? And how did that come about? Because normally it's not ceramic screwed to the wall. It's usually oh. painted. Um, so that location was in Redmond. Okay. And um, they they do a lot of mural projects for their for their um, art installations that are within their office buildings. But I went to the one in California and to do like an art tour there with the curator, uh -huh. and it was just insane. Like they find the best people, so I always go and check their Instagram feed because it's just so amazing. And that's where I yeah. found yours. Yeah, there's so so many good projects, and I think they are they encourage people to. Um, you know, to get three-dimensional and, you know, if, if that's part of their practice. Um, for that project, there just was the constraint of, it couldn't be um, deeper than four inches. So everything okay. had to be kind of shallow to the wall. So I was using a lot of tiles and then relief sculptures and creating this kind of like, almost like a big ceramic mural. Yeah. I was kind of thinking of it like a tapestry it's so beautiful. And there are there mirrors in there too? There's little bits of mirrors um, something? It's just a lot, a lot of um, luster. Oh. <laughs> a lot of white gold luster. It's just gold. It's, oh, okay. But uh, yeah, it's the white gold that looks silvery. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's I, just so gorgeous. I was like, I did a post about it and I was like, okay. <laughs> the, it's a ceramic mural. I just have never seen anything like that. Like, oh. I mean, you know, you see mosaics and stuff, but it's not that. It's it's a ceramic mural. It's the craziest thing. I just loved it. Thank you. I, I was really happy with how it turned out. And it, um, I, I only had two months to create that, which is kind of crazy. It was like a really, really fast project. And yeah, so I guess you have I to had plan to kind of, it all and then make yeah. all the pieces and then go and install it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you so have any help or did you do that all like, did you have an assistant help you or? Yeah, I had some, yeah, I had some people assisting. Oh, that's good. Yeah, because I don't know how you do it otherwise. <laughs> I mean, in, in general, I kind of like plan everything out so that I can try to do everything by myself, but it doesn't always work. And lately, I've been breaking things a little bit more fre frequently just in my studio. So um, I'm trying to ask for help more, you know, when I need it physically. Yeah, good for you. Yeah. I'm, I'm working on yeah. that too, but I'm so... Uh... I'm a huge control freak. And so I like yeah. to do, yeah, I like to do all the things myself. And right. there really are things that I could delegate, but I just yeah. don't. Right. I'm the same way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm very, yeah, I'm control, uh, yeah, control freak, I guess yeah. is a way to put it. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Let's just call a spade a spade. Um, okay. So do you have anything that any shows coming up that people should know about or? Oh, yeah. Um, I have, well, I currently have a solo show at Nationale in Portland. Yes. Oh my and, God. I was just looking at it. So oh, good. Thank you. And I'm super excited that it just got extended. So it's going to be up until July 8th. Oh, okay, great. So it has a nice long run and I'm, um, I'm kind of working on some, I'm going to switch out some pieces for some of the pieces that sold. So I'm going to bring them a few new pieces next week. Oh, good. Um, and then 
I have a solo show coming up at Studio E in Seattle uh, mm -hmm. in November. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm working on that already. Um, oh, and then I have a really big project that I'm super excited for um, at the Museum of Museums in Seattle. And that's gonna be at the beginning of 2023. And they have this huge installation space that's like 1800 square feet. And I'm gonna do like a big immersive installation that will oh. have um, interactive elements and lighted ceramics and two-way mirror magic. And um, oh my word. I'm kind of planning that out right now and getting, getting my ideas and drawings ready. That so, is so exciting. That, and the, hopefully the world will just be normal by then. I hope so too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we can all just go and interact with it as much as we want. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, so and cool. if I could also promote something that's not my own work. Yeah, go um, for it. Yeah, I'm I'm a member of Soil Gallery in Seattle. It's a cooperative, um, not-for-profit artist-run gallery space. It's been a collective since 1995. And um, we have a show that's opening today. Oh, okay. This opens on uh, June 3rd. Mm -hmm. And um, I just happen to be the facilitator for this show. So um, I'm really excited about it. Each, um, each collective, each soil member takes turns facilitating shows. Okay. So I'm kind of just like the coordinator. Um, and co-Kirk Yamahira is in the backspace. He's a soil member. Oh, and then, oh, he's, he's amazing. And yeah. um, his work is just gorgeous. Um, and then Brooklyn Johnson, and Rachel Thomander are out of town artists and they're in the front space. And they've, anyway. Soil okay, gallery. I will put all of that Check in the post out. too, so people can go. So this is, yeah. yeah, so it's opening today, which is the third, we're talking on Thursday. This post goes up tomorrow. So the show will only be one day old. Perfect. Yeah, the, sh the show's up for, <laughs> for the month of June. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll put all that in so people can, and can people come like masks? Yeah, masks are required. I think yeah. the capacity is eight people at a time okay. within the space and, um, everyone's being very safe. The gallery is open um, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Okay. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the show. And this is also actually kind of sadly my last month as a soil member. I've been a member for four years and this is the end of my time there, but um, I've been really proud to be a member of soil. Wow. So cool. Well, um, yes. Plug, plug away. That's so, that's so good. And we'll, thanks. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll put links to those artists, those three artists as well. Um, okay. Before I let you go, I haven't done a not so speedy speed round in quite a while. And people keep messaging me saying, where did the not so speedy speed round go? So this is four little get to know you questions. Okay. It's not speedy because of me, because I always do follow-ups. So <laughs> it used to be a speed round and I'm like, you know what? I'm not speedy. So here we go. Four questions. One, coffee or tea? Tea. Tea? What kind? Yeah. Um, do you have a go-to? Ginger. Okay. okay. I, I don't drink caffeine at all. So er herbal, but I love ginger tea. Okay. Follow-up question. 
have you ever drank ginger tea with a friend from your interlocking vessels? Out of the vessels, you mean? Yeah. Like, would you be able to, could you drink if you're both <laughs> holding one? Right. A, could you do that? B, have you ever? Um, I have never. <laughs> I, I think in theory it's possible and it would be messy, but fun. There you go. You do that at your next um, gathering. I'm, I'm just like right now trying to think about the mechanics of it. Um, yeah, I think. Make possible. your husband do it this weekend and we'll see if it actually works. Or not. Okay, we'll try. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, since you do always have really cool haircuts and they sometimes work their way into your work, um, worst haircut you've ever had? Was there a moment in time, teenagehood, 20s, anytime where you were like, no, oh no, what has happened? Well, I'd say the most, um, well, all, all through high school, I had a just perfect bowl cut, which I, I think is actually pretty cool, but I look back and it looks a little weird. But the most traumatizing haircut was um, when I was in like fourth grade and I wanted one of those asymmetrical haircuts. Oh, yes. But it was just, it was too much. For, for like being a shy kid and like showing up at school with like this edgy haircut. Oh yeah. I, I regretted it. Yeah. Focus of it. You were the, the center of attention immediately. Exactly. But oh. it, it, pro it probably was actually, oh, you know what? No, no. <laughs> okay. In fourth, maybe the next year, I had decided that my head was too small. I had like a pin head. And so I wanted a perm to fill it out you know sure. and uh -huh. volume wise and so i think i had my mom give me a perm and that was really bad oh no because like i had bangs and it was just like this poodly puff <laughs> you know it's so funny those at-home perms you have such a vision going into them yeah of what you're gonna look like and then it's never good i right. had many a kitchen perm and um terrible i think my worst one was in university third year university. So I'm not a child. I was like 20. And yeah. I had, I had those moments of, I just, I just want to get it cut right now. And then you go to the mall. Don't do that. Don't, yeah. don't just decide and go to the mall. <laughs> um, I wanted the Rachel cut from friends. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I left with a full on mullet. Oh God. It, and you can't fix that. You can't get home. <laughs> There's no amount of styling product or curling iron that can fix a mullet. No, you just kind of have to you cut have, it off and go short. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I did. Pixie cut. Well, so I've been cutting my own hair since middle school. <laughs> As an adult, I've been to a salon one time and I wasn't really happy with that haircut. And so it was just reinforced um, my decision to just do it myself yeah there you go see it's you and all your gear you're like i'll get my own kiln i'll get my own um stained glass <laughs> stuff and just give me a pair of scissors i'm going to take care of this myself yeah i like to figure it out <laughs> yeah well that's very impressive because you always have very cool hair um okay one final so we did worst haircut so it's we're heading into summer here so best summer job you ever had did you work in high school did you have summer jobs in high school um, my favorite, I think my favorite summer job was um, during college at this 
restaurant that just had like really good food and I loved my employee meals so much. <laughs> yeah, I was a, when you're broke I, I, and yeah. It was so good. Um, and I was like a dishwasher slash server. But I just remember being really excited for like the end of shift and that's awesome. getting the tasty food. And then at the beginning of the shift, they had really good baked goods and I'd have like a, a cinnamon roll. Oh, that is good. Oh yeah. I worked at, my first job was at Dixie Lee Chicken. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> I just worked <laughs> the counter. I made milkshakes and took chicken and fry orders. And yeah. uh, I smelled like, I smelled like chicken that entire summer. I'd go for, I, my friends would come and pick me up. Like I'd go home, have a shower, use my salon selective shampoo so that I smelled like fruit. And then my friends would pick me up and they'd go, did you work today? And I was like, <laughs> oh, it was just like in me. It was so gross. Um, so no cinnamon buns or delicious meals before or after mm. those shifts, unfortunately. Oh, I, I miss that restaurant. It's not <laughs> around anymore. <laughs> now you're in the mood for something delicious. Um, mm. And it's only, well, it's, we're on our way to lunchtime. We could maybe have delicious lunches. Um, Emily, that's all my questions. Okay. That was so much fun. I, I mean, I've, like I said at the beginning, I've loved your work for so long and I, I'm just so happy to actually feel like I know you a little bit now and to like get an insight into your story and your work. And I'm going to go back and look for all the stained glass because somehow I missed that. I was too dazzled by the luster or something. I, I didn't realize. So, um, and it gives me an excuse to do a great big post and put all this stuff in it so people, uh, other people can go and look for the stained glass too. Thank you so much. This, uh, this is a huge honor. I was like so excited when you reached out. So thank oh, you. Thank it's been you. great to talk with you. Yeah, you too. And I'll put all the stuff about all the shows and everything and the soil show so people can go check it out. And um have a lovely, lovely weekend, and I will hopefully talk to you soon and hopefully be in Seattle at some point and actually we can go for ginger tea together. Oh, that would be great. Doesn't that sound That would be nice? awesome. Oh. Yeah, it really, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and maybe even hug. Oh, Ooh. oh <laughs> so exciting. Um, all right, anyway, I'll let you back to your day and um, okay. thanks again for doing this with me. Thank you. Okay, Have bye. All right, bye. There, I finally got a not-so-speedy speed round back in there for you. And I'm so glad I did, too. How else would we ever know that Emily's been cutting her own hair for her entire life? Well, except that one time. <laughs> Thank you so much to Emily for sharing her story with me and for telling me to buy a kiln. I will keep you posted on that. But I'm pretty sure this was the nudge that I needed to make that kiln leap. Thanks again to Wireframes for supporting this episode and to my wonderful supportive podcast network, Coloop, for finding sponsors who care about creativity as much as I do. Okay, you know what comes next. Yes, huge, huge thanks to all of you for listening. There will be more art for your ear next weekend. See you then.